En USPS entregamos más paquetes para que tú también puedas hacerlo. ¡Llegaron mis zapatos de fútbol! Más rápido de lo que esperaba. ¿Entrega para la futura deportista? ¡Huepa! Llegó la sortija y le va a encantar. Está en ella. ¿Entrega para una futura esposa? ¡Oye! Llegó mi nueva computadora. ¿Entrega para una futura startup? En USPS, sin importar el negocio que tengas, siempre estaremos entregando por ti. Entregamos para todos. Conoce más en USPS.com diagonal para todos. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. So a couple weeks ago, we had fun, or I had fun, and I hope you did, uh, looking back on the movie The Castle and highlighting some lessons from it, playing a few clips, and enjoying revisiting that movie. Well, today I want to do the same thing with another movie that I love, which is Ratatouille. And it's a very popular uh, Disney Pixar movie written directed by Brad Bird, uh, as you all know. So I want to do what I did last, like a couple weeks ago, and maybe play a few clips so we can enjoy revisiting some of it, but really highlighting a few themes. Now, there are many, many themes and lessons that can be drawn from this movie, but I'm going to delimit it today to three. And the first will be intellectual independence. That's the intellectual independence of Remy, who's the main character in the story. Now, I know that a lot of people have hit upon this theme, and it's very obvious in the movie, but I hope I can offer a little bit of a different perspective on that same theme. Uh, another one is going to be the mind as the source of creation of value as opposed to physical labor. The third one we'll be looking at Anton Ego and his thirst for greatness as the motivation of his actions and not so much his desire to tear things down uh, as he's the kind of the villain uh, in, the, in the story who comes around. And before we go on with all this stuff, there are many, many other things to say about the movie. You could go on and just talk about how great a movie it is in terms of the choreography of action, uh, the comedic timing in it, the music, the lighting, and how just how the movie looks. It just looks so great. Um, when I think of the action, for example, I compare it to big action movies. Let's say a bunch of Marvel movies. I, I like some of the Marvel movies, but sometimes when the action uh comes up and there's a big fight scene or something frankly i just think okay this is going to be about 10 minutes and then we can get back to the story because it's kind of just this you know while some of this stuff is really cool looking there's not really um i, I don't know i don't feel many stakes in it but here in the chase scenes and any of the any of the action scenes they're just really fun to follow frame by frame and they're just really so clever um as for the timing and expression like the comic timing especially um they can even show multiple expressions on a character within seconds because it's animation you can you can imagine like a, a person like Jim Carrey maybe being able to pull it off but not too many people like could do that as a as a human actor and um, if they did that they would be considered a genius so a couple examples of this are like Chef Skinner is struggling uh, with himself to not like the ratatouille when he has to eat it like he sees Anton Ego enjoying his so he thinks oh Is this good? And he's he's angry that like why? How is this good? And then he puts it in his face, and you can see that uh, he changes quickly to wow, this is really good. And then he's like, oh, this is so great. And then he gets angry again because he remembers that he's supposed to hate this guy and he's not allowed to like it. But then he's just like, oh, this is so good. And this all happens within a matter of 
seconds. Um, the other one would be, uh, not the other one, but another one that comes to mind is when Anton Eagle himself is hearing the news that Gusto's is popular again. He's about to drink some wine and he spits it out, but he quickly thinks, oh my God, this is wine. I can't spit it out. And he, he looks at the vintage of the bottle really quickly and then he fights to swallow <laughs> the wine and brings it back in and it's just so great um, and, and again that's within a matter of a couple seconds that you see these wild emotions change uh, so quickly so there's all kinds of that kind of stuff throughout the movie which is a real delight to enjoy and while it's very delightful I'm not going to attempt to to dissect it here I know there are some cinema nerds that could do a way better job than I can and I'll just embarrass myself if I try to really talk technical stuff and, and what's so brilliant about it but I can see it and I appreciate it and it makes the movie as a whole just really good on top of the you know excellent dialogue and storytelling and themes uh, that we're going to get into right now and the first of these themes is intellectual independence and what I'm going to call the primacy of truth. So we'll start right away um, by looking at a, a clip from the movie to, to uh, set up how Remy had to kind of go against his family, in particular his father. Let's just say we have different points of view. Secondly, stay out of the kitchen and away from the humans. It's dangerous. I know I'm supposed to hate humans, but there's something about them. They So now... I had a secret life. It's not a big deal, Dad. I just... You didn't think I was going to stay forever, did you? I mean, eventually a bird's got to leave the nest. We're not birds. We're rats. We don't leave our nests. We make them bigger. Well, maybe I'm a different kind of rat. Maybe you're not a rat at all. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> you're talking like a human. Who are not as bad as you say. Oh, yeah? What makes you so sure? Oh, man. I've uh, been able to... Observe them at a, a, a close-ish sort of range. Yeah? How close? Close enough. And they're, you know, not so bad as you say they are. You can't change nature. Change is nature, Dad. The part that we can influence. And it starts when we decide. Where are you going? With luck. Forward. Now, to start on this theme, I want to first highlight the parental aspect of it. Um, and I want to bring forth some Korean perspective, as Korea has an underlying philosophy of Confucianism in the culture. And as much as that's changing these days, I think it has a lot to do with uh, the society getting wealthier. A lot of the newer generation doesn't really have a lot of this. But a key component to Confucianism is obedience to parents. And a lot of my students still feel this. When I ask some of my students in my class, we get talking about certain themes and I say, for example, what would you do if your parents didn't approve of the person you plan to marry? And a lot of kids, as I said, these days might go, well, ultimately, you know, I would just, I would just do marry the person I wanted to. But there's still an alarming number, alarming from my perspective number, who in some shape or form or another say, well, I ultimately have to respect my parents' uh, view or something. And I think, what the, what the what? And this is true in career as well. A lot of my students, I say, why, why did, have you chosen your major? And they say, well, I, you know, my parents kind of chose it for me or it's something that they expect me to do. And, and I ask people, what would, you, what would you think if you really wanted to have this kind of career? What do you think your parents would think? And we talk about that kind of stuff. And ultimately, I tell them that... If you really 
do what makes you happy, if you really go ahead and kind of defy them in effect and go ahead and you marry the person that you want to marry or you pursue the career that you want to pursue and the life that you want to pursue, and then with that you are apparently or you know very obviously happy, there aren't many parents who are, not, who are going to be upset about that. Most parents are going to be very pleased with that. And, and I, say, I say this to them just in what seems to make sense. I put them in the shoes of being a parent. What would you think? And also in my experience. I've seen it over and over again where people, uh, where parents who may not approve of something ultimately do approve when their child is happy. This is what all parents, or most parents want. Now this is illustrated in the movie with Remy and his father who in the end comes to support him. Spoiler alert, excuse me. Look, with these spoilers, I mean, you are, I am going to reveal some outcomes in the movie, but I really don't think there's anything here that could spoil it for you. But I will say, continue at your own risk. But again, I don't think there's any problem here. And I want to offer on top of this theme, uh, my own experience with my wife and I. And early on in our relationship, it was we almost broke up effectively or did break up for some time. Um, because of family pressures, ultimately, I, I learned mostly, um, including some aunts and their ideas about foreigners, which were had, they had legitimate ideas that, you know, we don't know if foreigners are here to stay, etc. So you got to be careful who you're dating. And there are lots of stories about a lot of people and, uh, you know, and I can understand it. Um, there's also the case of her father, who people were very concerned about what he would think about this. Uh, thing and it was a, obviously he was the last person I met of the whole family. Early on, um, I had her mother on my team for a while and had met her secretly early on. But it was finally to a point where if you're going to go to Canada on a long trip with this guy, you've got to meet your father. Has to know. So we arranged a whole big elaborate lunch. I had to buy a new suit um, to meet this guy. And a, a funny story on the day. He actually said to his wife in the uh, just before they were about to go, he's like, "Well, why don't you guys just go? I, I don't need to do it." And she's like, "What? This whole thing is for you. Everybody's met him except you, and you gotta go." And it was a kind of a comical scene as they retell it. Um, but anyway, he came, and of course, it was great. It went really well. So this just shows you on top, you know, where a lot of these prejudices people have—they're not really. You know, they're not real. A lot of time we have this idea that people are so prejudiced against somebody, but when you meet any individual, it goes away. And of course, he's very happy with us. Uh, I may say that I, you know, I'm quite popular in the family and the whole uncles and aunts and everybody from top to bottom. I mean, I'm just in. I'm accepted. It's this great thing. And his parents, moreover, um, say these days all the time uh, constantly say these days all the time all the time how happy they are that we're happy and how they thank us all the time they say thank you very much for living so well etc etc so you know if she had just thought oh my father wouldn't approve it's probably easier to just kind of do something else look what what lives would have been ruined and and it wasn't even founded on anything real so what i say to them is go for it defy people and guess what they're probably going to approve in the end anyway if you show that it's true, if you show that you're happy. Now we'll go on here by having one more look at Remy and how he struggles with choosing self-fulfillment and truth over community opinion and approval. I'm sick of pretending. I pretend to be a rat for my father. I pretend to be a human through Linguini. I, I pretend you exist so I have someone to talk to. You only tell me stuff I already know. I know who I am. Why do I need you to tell me? Why do I need to pretend? <laughs> 
Dad, I... I don't know what to say. I was wrong about your friend. And... about you. I... I don't want you to think I'm choosing this over family. I can't choose between two halves of myself. I'm not talking about cooking. I'm talking about guts. This really means that much to you? Now, I won't tell you all what happens after that, uh, all the details of it, and you can enjoy that for yourself if you haven't seen the movie. But you can see that his father recognizes his son's happiness and respects his independence. Um, you see that he refers to guts in the scene. He respects his guts and his, uh, his intellectual independence and will to defy people when it was difficult. People who follow the truth end up benefiting others, even those people who initially oppose them. Think of all the great innovators and creators in history who went against trends. They were vilified by their contemporaries, yet they moved mankind forward. But regardless of the progress of mankind and just focusing on individual happiness, I think that integrity is required for individual happiness because integrity is a key component of self-esteem and self-esteem is a key component of happiness. And integrity is founded upon a loyalty to one's values, what one knows to be the truth. It's not found in agreeing with the majority and seeking community. I ask, what community? Community is a value only insofar as it promotes one's values, not thwarts them. But even as much as that's true, it's still difficult to go against the community. And if, this is why individuals like Remy are moral heroes for not pretending, as he said in, his, uh, in the clip. They are moral because of their loyalty to reality, to truth, to reason, and their loyalty to the achievement of their own personal values and flourishing. And such people are examples to the rest of us to go after what we care about and what we're passionate about and what we think is important to our own happiness and flourishing. So the second theme I want to highlight is what I'm going to call Remy and the role of the mind in productive or creative value. In this movie, for all intents and purposes, Remy effectively didn't possess a physical body at all. He was a rat and he can't really do anything in a big kitchen or in a human world, uh, the human world that he did influence. Yet, he produced vast wealth and became rich and made other people around him wealthy. How did he do this, right? Well, it was in partnership with Linguini, the other character, uh, who might as well have been a robot. Now, I wasn't able to find a clip of this anywhere, but I do have the quote for it, so I'll just do it for you here. Linguini says to Remy, Okay, so let's think this out. You know how to cook, and I know how to appear human. We just need to work out a system so that I do what you want in a way that doesn't look like I'm being controlled by a tiny rat chef. So, Linguini was not the source of the value. Remy's mind was. And this principle, uh, I think, was dramatized masterfully uh, by this device of having Remy control Linguini. Now, I, I saw Brad Bird, the... Uh, writer and director of the movie being interview interviewed about how they got Remy in the hat and he said originally they wanted him up there controlling him but he was always poking out of the hat um, which would have been very difficult because how people would see him and they finally came up with the idea of having the see-through hat so that Remy could see out but people couldn't see in and he said once they had that they were ready to go so I don't think they totally meant it to be 
that he's a real mind inside, you know, basically a shell of a a human body. Um, But in effect, what you did was get a as close you can as you could to a abstract representation of a pure mind. So on this point, I will say that it's true that brute strength and physical capacity is essential to, to productivity, which is why machines and cheap, plentiful, reliable energy are so valuable to human life and have made us very wealthy in the free world, way wealthier than we would be just on physical human labor. Um, and it is true also that skillful and intelligent labor increases production. But again, skill and intelligence are degrees of mental capacity, we must be clear. So of course it is true that Remy needs Linguini. We need a mind and we need a physical body, but we must be clear on who needs whom more. And I think that our society succeeds to the extent that we understand and appreciate the truth of this matter and seek to keep restrictions off of those who think and innovate, uh, the real drivers of human progress. And society, which means all of its individual members, which includes all of us, are held back to the extent that it tries to hail physical power over intelligence. So on this point, let's have another quick look at a scene of prosperity and joy of the new restaurant founded upon Remy's genius. Can I interest you in a dessert this evening? Don't you always. Which one would you like? Surprise me. Believe me, that story gets better when I tell So, this again shows my earlier point about the community who originally opposed him benefiting from his own intellectual independence and defiance of community norms. You can see that it's all his rat family and community who are enjoying a life of luxury now, which they had originally opposed. But on the current point, observe that the whole operation, the success of the restaurant and the livelihoods of everyone who benefits from it, so this includes the workers or the chefs, Um, It includes the patrons, of course, who have this tremendous value in their community now and can go there and enjoy fine food. It includes the owners, everybody who's benefited. It all rests on Remy and his ideas. Now, it can be bettered by skilled chefs, by tactful and efficient waiters, tasteful decorators who make it look good and, um, and make the place more pleasant to be in, efficient business managers, etc. But again, these are all degrees of applied intelligence not strength. The success of the business does not rest on those who appear human, which is what brute physical labor contributes. I'm sorry, Mr. Karl Marx, but it is undeniable that the mind is the fountainhead of all production and human progress, and Ratatouille illustrates this brilliantly. So on to the final theme is about Anton Ego and his love for greatness, his search for greatness. Um, I don't think that Anton Ego was looking to bring down greatness as many envious mediocrities do in our world. Um, I'm going to argue that he attacked people out of a love for values. Now, of course, at the beginning of the movie, he did seem gleeful about his scathing reviews he, he offered. He, he would say to his kind of assistant, 
oh, but I, you know, I, I banished them to the, you know, the dregs of society. I said this and I wrote that and it was so brilliant what I wrote and clever and I just totally eviscerated them. So, you know, come on. Um, and they had to play that up to make him more of a villain. And to the extent that he was gleeful, I'm going to add about that stuff, he was acting on the destruction premise. But I, I wonder if he wasn't more cynical and contemptuous in the beginning because perhaps he thought there was no more greatness to be found in our modern world and he kind of, you know, he was just attacking everybody and lashing out maybe. Because mostly I think you can see that he was thirsty for greatness. And this is evidenced in that when he did see greatness in Remy, he praised it to the moon. So we're going to look at his final review, uh, which is a beautiful narration to the final scenes of Remy's triumph and people's acceptance and admiration. Let's look at this. In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is in the discovery and defense of the new. The world is often unkind to new talent, new creations. The new needs friends. Last night I experienced something new. An extraordinary meal from a singularly unexpected source. To say that both the meal and its maker have challenged my preconceptions about fine cooking is a gross understatement. They have rocked me to my core. In the past, I have made no secret of my disdain for Chef Gusto's famous motto, Anyone can cook. But I realize only now do I truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. It is difficult to imagine more humble origins than those of the genius now cooking at Gusto's, who is, in this critic's opinion, nothing less than the finest chef in France. I will be returning to Gusto soon, hungry for more. It was a great night, <laughs> the happiest of my life. Now we can see in the speech, once again, uh, my point at the top of the show regarding intellectual independence, in that innovators are often criticized and ostracized for challenging truths, and why we ought to regard such people who persist in spite of such opposition as moral heroes. But see how these new ideas often end up becoming widely accepted and commonplace, making our lives so much better that we couldn't imagine how we'd ever lived without them and observed that most people, uh, you know, few would ever choose to go back uh, to things the way things were before the new idea finally caught on. But the new needs friends and defenders, as Anton Eagle points out. I think it's easy to be pessimistic about the world and to feel safe in tearing down anyone who offers anything uh, new or another way to do things which is why I think many get into the business of critiquing. They enjoy the position of privilege while risking little, as Anton Ego points out to us. Um, it's easy to tear down something and to let people continue to think things can't be better. 
it's really safe and easy to be, you know, cynical and critical and try to mock everything um, because in this way we don't have to exercise our own intellectual independent judgment and choose in the face of something new that we have to, to decide whether to accept or not. And, uh, of course, this is precisely what optimism demands. And this is why I say that selling optimism is really tough and the optimistic needs friends. Now, before I say my final word, I want to ask you guys, as I do every week, to please share the video. If you like this video, share it with somebody who you think might like it. I also invite questions and comments, again, as I do every week. But let me uh, emphasize that I really it's very encouraging to get a comment from somebody. So if you can go, uh, say you're watching this on YouTube, make a comment right in the YouTube thing. Just say that you like the video or ask a question about something that was not uh, clear to you or something you want me to elaborate on. Um, anything at all is very helpful and encouraging to me. Uh, you can also do this on the Mr. Brightside Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. Go right there. Make a comment. Just say that uh, you like this video. Tell me what aspect of it you like because this way I get more information about what, uh, what people are responding to and what they're not. So um, I'll very much appreciate if you guys do any of that and, uh, and thank you for all of that stuff. Now I'll say one more word before we sign off here. There's a theme I didn't talk in much detail about, but it's a huge point in the movie that Remy helped his family of rats appreciate good food as opposed to garbage. And appreciation is a central component of my conception of optimism. Like Remy and Anton Ego, who also shows us this in the movie, we should all seek to appreciate the finer things in life, or at least the finer side of all things. This is optimism, and Ratatouille is a fantastically optimistic film. It really is one that all ages can enjoy at various levels of understanding. So go ahead and treat yourself this week to this delightful movie, either alone or with others you can share the magic with. Uh, thank you, Brad Bird, Disney, and Pixar for making such a film. And thank you guys for listening here. I'll see you next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. Good news. You started a company. Now you have to run it. When you look out into the sea of CRMs, it can look extremely blue. But HubSpot is here to give your company a more human approach. We're a CRM that's easy to use, aligns all your teams seamlessly, and delivers a better experience for your customers. So your business feels like a helpful partner and not just some company trying to force a sale. There's a better way to help grow your business by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. HubSpot. Grow better.